Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast about race. It's one of the most uncomfortable topics for all time, frankly, at least in recent centuries, and it certainly is becoming one of the most un- uncomfortable topics uh, in our current history. Uh, if you are uh, an observer of our times at all, and you have paid any attention to, let's say, the last four or five, maybe the last 10 decades of American history, you have to be as surprised as I am that racism is rearing its ugly head. Now, this came back to me a little bit this past week. I was on a panel show with on the Sean Hannity uh, program on Fox. Uh, the subject was the movie Son of God, made by Roma Downing, Mark Burnett, famous couple who gave us the Bible series this past year. And um, he also is a producer and creator of shows like Survivor and The Voice and so on. Very well known. And they've they've done a movie that essentially has been spun out of their TV series, The Bible, movie, of course, like I say, called Son of God. And uh, one of the comments that I made on the air was that the movie had done an appreciably good job of uh, bringing race to the screen, so to speak. I imagine it's difficult for people who make movies about Jesus or biblical times to uh, get as much of the varied uh, ethnicities on the screen as as they really should. Um, I, of course, all of us laugh at the fact that uh, You know, when Hollywood goes Bible, it goes British accent. And I suppose that comes from our King James Bible heritage and and the way that a British accent, an upper crust British accent sounds to American ears. So I was not just being kind. I had watched portions of the Bible series um, and I was impressed. I was impressed, uh, if not always with the script or the story or maybe some of the facts. Uh, These things are, you know, controversial, difficult to capture on the screen. Not everybody's going to be happy. I had a few of my minor complaints, but I was I was pleased that they at least attempted to show that the people in these biblical stories, now I'm speaking about more than just the movie, but the entire Bible series, um, were not white Europeans. They were not Anglos. Uh, Samson, for example, in the Bible series, is a great big black man, very black, uh, with a huge head of dreadlocks. (laughs) And I love that. I'm not sure why they chose to depict him that way. Um, It's possible, I suppose. It's possible that anyone in the scriptures, um, certainly in Old Testament, was very black of skin. Um, We can know ethnicities often. We often don't know skin color. You know how that is. A man can be black and not be real dark. A man can be white and be very dark. I mean, sometimes these things don't don't match up. But in the the scriptures, you can be very sure that most of the people that you're reading about, particularly in the Old Testament, are not people whose skin is as light as mine, Uh, or, or probably maybe most of you who are listening. And so I made this comment on the air that I was impressed by the way that the, these producers, Roma Downing, Mark Burnett, had uh, portrayed in the film Son of God more ethnicities than I had ever seen before. Most of you have probably seen, you know, King of Kings from back in the 50s and 60s. I mean, everybody's as white as they can be. They just have, you know, Hebraic beard super glued on them. Ben-Hur, everybody's white. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's just silly. And it leads to conclusions like um, the one that a Fox uh, anchor recently made where she said both Jesus and Santa Claus were white. And she was making an impassioned case as she did. Uh, movies have gotten better about this kind of thing. We've become more sensitive to it. 
And so the fact that there are as many ethnicities as there are represented on the screen, that you have Afros, uh, that you have fully black people, not just a hint at black people, not just a little Hollywood, you know, dark makeup on white skin, sort of the way we Native Americans were portrayed uh, and still are in many movies. Uh, You know, they'd get a white guy and they'd dirty him up a little bit. He was supposed to be a Native American. So I I was impressed with this. Well, Jesus, there's no question, is a British guy. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't, I think his eyes are even blue. I mean, they don't, they didn't even make much of an effort. And I, I think that Probably this is because still, you know, they're in the marketing business and they have to make the movie relevant uh, to essentially uh, the Western world. Um, and Jesus is always portrayed as fairly light of skin. So, you know, rarely do they get this right. I mean, Jesus is always too good looking. Scripture itself says that he was not, uh, it didn't have a, an appearance that anybody would desire him. That word desire means at almost every level, you know, a woman desiring him physically or men being attracted to him physically. Um, and, and of course he was, he would have been, you know, fully Jewish. He would have been dark of skin. He would have looked like, you know, Jews and Palestinians look today. In fact, Jews today tend to be a whole lot lighter skinned, um, because they, many of them intermarried with Europeans and and what have you. And so their skin is probably much lighter than it was back in the day when they would have been a bit ethnically purer. That I don't, I'm, I don't subscribe to theories of race and superiority. So by using that word, I only mean, uh, that they would have come from a darker-skinned stock back centuries ago. So after I made this comment, someone took my head off on Twitter uh, saying that it, this was garbage and that uh, Jesus was Anglo and American and, uh, you know, that this was, a, this was a horribly racist comment to make. Well, I certainly understand that Jesus was not, uh, you know, as he would have appeared uh, in the day that he walked the earth, but... At the same time, I compliment the film for at least attempting. God knows we're about to have some really good Bible uh, movies out of Hollywood, and we're about to have some atrocious movies uh, based on the Bible out of Hollywood. Wait till you see Noah. What a disaster. But Son of God is pretty good. The more important issue to me, though, is how near to the surface racist attitudes are. Um, Even in that room, and I will not name names, and I certainly don't mean Sean or Roma or Mark, Um, I felt the discomfort of my comment. There were African-Americans in the room, and some of them thanked me for saying what I had said. But others, you could tell, just the whole issue of race makes them uncomfortable. And I think after what we've been through in our history of late with Trayvon Martin's situation, his death, some say murder, um, the fact that we've we've had race-based killings here in the States, race-based riots overseas, etc., that uh, we are entering an era of a sort of a neo-racism. And I'm surprised by this. I usually am pretty up on trends and pretty much expecting uh, what comes in terms of macro trends, not not fashions and styles and so on. But I'm talking about great big cultural trends because I study history and you can see these trends repeating themselves. But I am utterly stunned by the return of racism in our time. Uh, Aside from the fact that I'm a Christian and I believe the human heart, you know, is fundamentally uh, darkened by sin and that, that there is a devil. And so you know, we cycle back through these things because of the human condition. Um, I'm really surprised that we are where we are. And let me tell you one of the main reasons why. I'm surprised that we're entering a new era of racism in large part because any racism that occurs today is what I would just call stupid racism, just idiotic racism. Now, some of you will say, well, racism's always been stupid, and, and, and you certainly have a case to make. But suppose that I was born, let's say, in 1800, 
And suppose I had the only blacks I had known uh, were slaves. And suppose that I'm a member of a church, and this would have been very easy, um, which questioned whether blacks had souls. Or suppose I was a Mormon, and I'm told that blacks not only had no souls, uh, or might, probably didn't have souls, but in Mormonism, had I been practicing it, let's say in 1840, I would have been taught that blacks had dark skin because they had come under a curse because of something they did in, in, in pre-existence. Uh, in eternity before they became humans. I could go on and on and on. In other words, I could have lived a life in the 1840s uh, that would have conditioned me as a racist, and I would have believed medical doctors. I would have believed maybe my church. I would have maybe believed my eyes. Again, it was possible for me to live in a place where the only blacks I ever saw were pitiful wretches beaten and abused sexually who you know, were unlearned, of course, and lived like animals. And it would have been stupid of me, but it would have been possible for me to conclude that these people were genuinely inferior. In fact, that's very close to where Abraham Lincoln was when he entered the White House. He just had not had the kinds of experiences he would have later. Well, my point is that no one believes any of that garbage today. Medical doctors today are not uh, drawing anatomical sketches of black men and concluding that they have different muscle structure, you know, different muscles, different layers, muscles that other races don't have. I mean, all of this is silly. Um, uh, other doctors today are not trying to prove that black women are genetically made to breed and little more. They don't have minds. They're not meant to you know, do anything but menial labor and breed. Nobody would make that case today. And if a medical researcher did, he or she would certainly be fired and probably should be because there's no science behind that. Um, and churches today do not teach that kind of garbage, at least not churches that have any biblical mooring or, or any sense at all. Uh, it'd be very difficult to find a, a mainline church today or a serious church that's teaching that blacks are spiritually inferior or under a curse or have no souls. So to be racist today is to be racist in the most absurd and horrifying sense that there is no evidence for what you believe. I'm not defending people who were racist in 1840. I'm just saying at least you were encouraged by your culture. At least you were told there was science. At least people at Harvard, you know, misguided though they were, were making a case that you, you could at least sort of believe, I guess, because you weren't a medical researcher to yourself. Today, though, you, you have got to be uh, just absolutely choosing to hate a person for absolutely no reason. There's no basis for believing that people of different color skin from yours are inferior. They might be culturally inferior because who knows, they, you know, someone who grew up in the, in the difficult neighborhoods of Mexico City, he's not racially inferior, but he might be, you know, educationally inferior. He might be culturally inferior in some cases. That, that can happen anywhere in the world. But no one today has any basis for believing that people of a certain skin color are inferior. It would simply be the most bigoted kind of conscious choice it could possibly be. I, I remember years ago, I was watching the Phil Donahue show, and a, a, a medical doctor came on and began to convince the audience that people with blue eyes 
were somehow morally defective, that they were deceptive, that they were uh, people who used sex to manipulate people. And this medical doctor went on and on, very seriously convincing the audience. Before that show was over, uh, you had people in the audience almost very, coming very close to physically attacking uh, people who had blue eyes. It was astonishing. And before the show was over, you've already guessed it probably, Donahue got up and said, this whole thing's been scripted. This woman is a medical doctor, but her point here today is to show us how quickly we're moved to bigotry. Uh, but this is not science. There's no evidence of the inferiority or superiority of people with blue eyes. But the audience just about rioted. It was astonishing. And that's the kind of racism we have going today. I think we are about to see, potentially, a very racist age. And it's extremely disturbing. Um, it's ex particularly disturbing because some of that racism, much of it, in fact, I would say, is happening among Christians who ought to know better. I've always been intrigued uh, by Acts 13. This is a description of uh, the, the most missionary, um, mission-oriented church in the New Testament. Jerusalem became embroiled in a lot of political and, and uh, theological issues. But in Antioch, the church in Antioch described in Acts 13, it's the great missionary sending church. We actually have a list of the elders and teachers at that church. And it's an amazingly racially diverse church in terms of its leadership. Uh, you have Paul, of course, who was from Tarsus, a, a city now in Turkey, uh, a city filled with a lot of Assyrians. Uh, you are in, really in an Assyrian region. Uh, you have uh, Simeon uh, Niger. The la second name means black man. He was almost certainly black of skin. He, his last name might have been black, but usually people who had that N-I-G-E-R in their name were people who were at least dark of skin, if not black. Uh, you had Barnabas, Barnabas, who was a Jew from Cyprus. He wasn't from that region either. Uh, you had Manahan, who was Greek and grew up with Herod, so he would have lived uh, near uh, Jerusalem, for example, maybe even in it, but he was of Greek background. I could go on and on. Uh, none, of the, none of the people who led the church in Antioch were actually from Antioch, most likely, and all of them were from ethnically different backgrounds. So any Christian who, who says that the church ought to be divided racially is, is just a fool and doesn't know his scriptures. And those who buy into silly concepts about Noah's son, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and, and that Ham somehow was under a curse and he was the father of all blacks, all of that is racist nonsense. So let's ask ourselves, how is this happening? And, and who is going silent to allow it to happen? I've recently had two experiences, I won't describe them in detail, where people I would have assumed to be open-minded, democratically minded, by, by that I don't mean in terms of party affiliation, but just believing in the, uh, the, 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 you know, that people ought to be equal and exert their influence on government and live lives of, protected by law and, and, and the goodwill of, of their neighbors, um, find people, and they have turned to me suddenly, not maybe knowing the whole of my life. I'm talking about people I might watch sports with or something from time to time in a stadium, um, and made very, very racist statements about a basketball player or someone walking by. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I just, again, I, maybe I'm naive. I could not believe that someone of this generation held those views. I'm going to talk about race over the next two or three podcasts. I want to drill down into what the racial breakup is in our society. 
I want to drill down into why these attitudes have surfaced. I want to talk about what we can do about it. I certainly want to address uh, the Christian church and how it is not doing near as much as it should. Um, But mainly, I want to provide a message of hope because I believe uh, that especially the young, the millennials, uh, as we call them, are going to help us turn from this resurgence of the racist uh, hatred and fire that has so tarnished our country. One of America's biggest sins, if we can speak of big sins and small sins, has been the racism um, and the mistreatment of uh, Native Americans, of blacks, love my country, believe she's still got greatness in her. But we need to understand that something ugly and horrible is rearing its head, that it has the potential to taint us all. It has potential to divide our country. It has potential to destroy much of what we've created. And globally, uh, it has potential to lead to death and division and strife that will not heal for generations. So let's be thinking about this. And I'll come back to you in the next podcast with more about race and our times. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author and popular speaker who coaches and advises leaders worldwide. To learn more about Stephen, log on to stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote and performed the Rockin' Podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production. Chartwell is ingeniously led by Beverly Darnell Mansfield. As a result, all rights are reserved. For more information, contact us through stephenmansfield.tv.